When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your hosts, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partners of Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on Twitter. Trevor is at the BleacherCon1, and I'm at the BleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to do our regular weekly features, That's Offside and Are You Kidding Me?, where we look at some of the sports stories from the week that really caught our attention and need some discussion. Spring training is in full flight right now. The pitchers and catchers have reported. And what better time to have a little chat about some baseball. And one of our local hockey heroes have really hit the skids in the past week. So Ken and I are going to have a a quick discussion on, unfortunately, not the Vancouver Canucks, but the Calgary Flames. But before we get started, Ken, the NHL is holding its marquee event this weekend with the outdoor games at Lake Tahoe. What was your impressions of it? I know there was a bit of a hiccup with the game, the first game with the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, but in general, what are your thoughts? Well, first glance, first look when you uh, when you when I turned the game on and looked at it, just an absolutely beautiful scene. That that setup was perfect. You mentioned it; the the, the game had a hiccup. It was weather related, and for the first time, it wasn't that it was too cold, snowing, foggy, or anything wrong with the weather it was just too nice the ice had some issues and i i kind of wondered about it because i sent uh you jimmy and nico that picture of the ice and it actually looked like it was cracked already and i i'm not an you know nhl ice expert but to me that looked not good already outside of that i thought it was great i i caught obviously the first period i had recorded it because i was at work but it, it was just really cool to see and i actually liked it when the announcers let them just play in the for, for about 30 seconds because there was no pumped in crowd noise. There was nothing else. It was just hockey outside. I thought that was great. And even I caught the, some of the, the end of the game much, much later at night after watching the uh, Leafs and Canadians and Flames and Oilers game. I caught some of it at the end and it, it actually looked like pretty good hockey. I think at night it kind of was unfortunate because some of that beautiful scenery was taken away. But outside of the hiccup, We'll see how it goes uh, with the Bruins-Flyers game, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, the first impressions, visually stunning. Like, even my kids aren't the hugest hockey fans, and I threw it on on the TV, and both of them looked at it, and they're like, whoa, what is this? Who's playing? And I told them, oh, this is, you know, an NHL game. You got the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, and and they're just like, whoa, that is so cool. Because you could see the lake in the background, and – and I know my daughter was looking at it going, ah, oh, there's people on the lake trying to watch the game. That's awesome. And they, and they, you know, they pan to the lake and there's people sipping on a, a few adult beverages and stuff. Like it was just, yeah. it was real. Like, that's what I felt about it. It was almost like going back a hundred years. It just looked so visually stunning. Uh, it's disappointing that there was ice issues, but again, you're going to have that when you're at the mercy of mother nature. I know there was a lot of issues around because it was so sunny, wherever there was painted ice on, on the ice, it was absorbing too much heat. And then like chunks were coming out and tons of video of players and referees just skating along and falling over. And, and so I think they made the right call in, in postponing the game until later at night. Again, I hope they, I hope they don't have similar issues today for the second game because it is such a spectacle. And 
I think one of the things that made it even better was you had two really, really, really good teams doing battle yesterday. And from what I saw of it, the Avalanche clearly looked like the better team yesterday and they ended up winning. You know, kudos to the NHL. Seems like it's a solid event. And does this lead to other similar events? I know there was a battle of Alberta a couple games this past weekend and already Flames and Oilers fans are going, Lake Louise, we need to do this at Lake Louise. So awesome. I think it's a very unique idea, but can they make enough money doing it without fans to make it viable? I like the outdoor games as long as they're still able to be competitive. And I felt that the once the, the decision to pause the game and restart, which was, I agree, absolutely the correct decision, it was a good game. And that's what you, you want to see that enter, entertainment value within the game not just, okay, let's struggle through the elements and finish it. I, I wouldn't want to see this one every year, though. No. Maybe every two two years, make it a semi-annual event. And that, that way it doesn't lose some of the, the shine that the outdoor games have. Like, they've done over 30 now. And, and it's, I don't know if the novelty is wearing off for some, but I thought it was great. The reverse retros that both teams wore. I actually, uh, I'm not a fan of the yellow golden knights uniforms but i thought the red looked good and the avalanche uh, quebec nordique throwbacks and the avalanche colors they were great they were see really i'm gonna i can interject there i i love the avalanche jerseys the the quebec nordique ones before i saw them on the ice when i saw them on the ice yesterday kind of with the full set with the pants and the socks i actually didn't think they looked as good as as hanging in a store like, I think the actual jerseys are beautiful, but for some reason, just yesterday, they, something seemed off about them. I don't know. I, I was surprised that I kind of felt that way. It just, the full set, I don't think, did the jerseys justice because the jerseys are beautiful. Was it the, I think because it is so close to what the Quebec Nordiques wore that you were expecting the, the powder blue pants and the burgundy pants, I think maybe that was it the pants that threw it off because it was more the avalanche colors, not yeah, that's, what you were used to. That's quite possible. It just, they're beautiful jerseys. Just when I saw them on the ice yesterday, something seemed off about them. And I just, they look better hanging in a store and without the full setup and maybe just the top to bottom look of them. Something's not gelling, but uh, it, beautiful jerseys. Nonetheless, I was just surprised when I saw them yesterday. Golden Knights had a reverse retro for a team that's in year four or five, but it, you know, but actually they went, goes back to the Vegas thunder. I think they said, as a, a team that was around before. So makes a little more sense because it's a still a toddler NHL yeah. franchise, but they got a reverse retro in the in there somehow. Well, for a franchise that's been in the league for, what, four or five years, they've already got four or five different jerseys. So obviously they're doing something right because they're selling them all. And the uh, hockey is crazy in Las Vegas, which is great to say. Uh, that's that's a good, uh, a good story. But, you know, a, a franchise that early on to have so many jerseys is kind of interesting if you ask me the fan base and fandom around the golden knights is definitely a pleasant surprise i, I don't think you and i were too far off in thinking that it was probably going to be a lot of snowbirds down there and tourists trying to go to a cheap game good luck that's a Not that's a local fan base and that's great yeah so moving into that soft side brought to you by our partners at lids canada Click on the link in our Twitter bio link tree for your exclusive offer of great savings on apparel for your favorite team. Ken, I'm going to let you lead off on this one. What really caught your eye this week for, for that soft side? Well, it was actually just something that I just read this morning on uh, The Athletic. It's a story by Lindsay Adler, who is reporting on New York Yankees Domingo uh, Germain. Uh, pitcher who returned to spring training this week as camps opened and He's coming off 18 months away from baseball and an 81-game suspension for domestic abuse. Uh, the story goes that he was at a charity event with his girlfriend and a lot of other Yankee players that was hosted by CC Sabathia. And through the night that uh, he became intoxicated and violent with his girlfriend and slapped her. They left. What happened more, there was more to it that happened at home afterwards to the point where his, his girlfriend called another uh, player's wife and the player and the wife went there and essentially had to break it up. So what happened was it never got reported to the law, but MLB got a hold of it, the story, 
investigated and gave him the longest suspension so far under this domestic abuse policy, 81 games. Well, he's back at camp and Zach Britton, Yankees reliever, was asked about him. And his response was, sometimes you don't get to control who your teammates are. And I thought that was very telling because it's very clear they don't necessarily want him there. But again, sports is putting winning over character and they've brought him back. Aaron Boone wasn't going to have him address his teammates at camp. Domingo hasn't even addressed the media or anything about it, gone public with any kind of apology or anything. Not that it would fix anything. Let's I'm not saying an apology is going to fix anything with the story, but it's just kind of being brushed under the rug by him and almost by the team because he, he served a suspension. He's back, but his team isn't happy about it. And now Aaron Boone is rethinking his policy or his stance on him, not making a, a statement to his team. He's clearly going to be a distraction. They don't want him there. And Hal Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees for his, said for him to have a role on the team moving forward, and this is his, this is, I'm quoting him from the story. I have to absolutely feel comfortable that he deeply, deeply regrets and is sorry for what he did. And I absolutely have to be comfortable with the fact he's turned his life around. End quote. That's just, come on. Why? Why is that? Like he deeply, deeply regrets. That doesn't change what he did. Does, does his girlfriend have to deeply, deeply forgive him? I, I just don't get it. He's there. Raldis Chapman is there, who is also someone who served a suspension under the domestic abuse policy. And he wasn't even like he wasn't a Yankee at the time when it happened, but he addressed the team. But again, because Raldis Chapman can throw 200 miles an hour, winning over character. I'm just, it's very disheartening to continue to see stories like this for in, in sports. So for that reason, for me, Domingo Germain, New York Yankees, Hal Steinbrenner. You guys are offside. He shouldn't be there. I'm sorry. It, it, this should have gone to the police. He should have been charged. He should be, you know, there should have been an investigation and go from there. It shouldn't just be, well, here's an 81 game suspension. Come back and make millions. Yeah, I, I have to totally agree with everything you've said there. I I do not understand why he's there, why he was brought back. Why is he being given a second chance? Obviously, his teammates don't want him to have a second chance. That's very awkward. Are you... Are you injecting something that's going to play a major role on your team chemistry? And like that, the Yankees are a team set up to win that they're a favorite. And why are you even, why are you allowing this in your clubhouse? A, the guy shouldn't be there and B, is it going to have an adverse effect on your team as a result? So uh, I'm with you. This is so far offside by the Yankees, the player, he does not deserve a second chance. I'm, I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed in the whole story. It's not right. We've seen it with other players. Uh, Osuna yep. had to leave it with, mention that. Yeah, yeah. He, the Blue Jays cut ties with them. The Astros happily brought him in. I don't know why these guys are getting second opportunities, and it's just, it's not right. No. And again, Justin Verlander spoke out about Ozuna when he got there. But again, all is forgiven if you can save a game. Yeah. So moving on to a second person who's been given a second chance who probably shouldn't have. And I guess at least this isn't in the NHL, but that doesn't make it any better. And that's the University of Saskatchewan has hired Mike Babcock to run their men's hockey program. This guy is a complete D-bag. He's an asshole. His players hate him. People around the, the NHL hate him. He essentially got driven out of the league, rightfully so, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Earlier this year, NBC brought him back for a, a rehab my image tour. And now he's getting a full-time coaching gig again, essentially. And I, I get that it's in university hockey, but that doesn't matter. He's still going to be in charge of a hockey team. He's still going to treat his hockey players like absolute crap because he's a dirt bag and that's what he does. So I do not understand this move at all. I would not be surprised to see players leave the University of Saskatchewan to go to a different hockey program because they don't want to play for this guy. This is an atrocity that this guy is back behind a bench coaching hockey. I'm awful, god awful. And and one of the biggest problems with this is he's coaching university-aged players. So you're looking at 
19, 20, 21, 22, that, that age, these guys don't necessarily have a choice of where they get to play. They can try and move programs, but if there isn't a spot for them, all they're going to be doing is if they're a decent enough player and another university wants to take them on is they're going to push someone else out. So why should that next player get pushed out for someone else? Cause they don't want to have to get play for Babcock. Now, maybe he's going to go in there and be absolutely Mr. Softy because he knows the eyes of the hockey world are on him. I doubt it because there's a lot of people out there that think what he's done is perfectly okay. One person that does not think what Mike Babcock has done is, is okay is a former NHLer who played for Mike Babcock, and that's Mike Commodore. Now, I won't read or say a lot of what he says on Twitter about Babcock because uh, we do try and keep it family-friendly on the Bleacher Connection. But when the story came out, uh, Darren Drager, who covers hockey for TSN and others, put out the, the story that the that he was going to go there. Commodore's only response was folks, those poor kids, I feel for them. He's experienced it. He's seen it. He's seen Babcock drive grown men who would stand in front of a hundred mile per hour slap shot to, to stop the chance of a goal, leave the league because of them. So you got to wonder how bad is this guy if grown men don't want to deal with it. Uh, it's just, it's just insane. Another one, he says, good evening, folks. Who is doing the hiring at NBC, NHL and NBC sports hiring Babcock to bully and giving him a platform so he can spread his lies on his rehab. My image to her is shameful. Get him off the air. It's the same company that fired Jeremy Roenick for his comments but then bring in another stellar personality in Babcock to, you know, get back in the game. It's just completely offside. Again, it's just hockey, the redeeming factor for forgiving past discretions, if whatever you want to call them. I saw a tweet, I believe it was yesterday, shortly after this news came out, and it was just a generic, you know, hockey, the same 500 people over and over. That's exactly what I feel about this. It's they keep the retreads. That's essentially what it is. Mike Babcock is a retread. He's a big name. And for some reason that sells and, and people believe that, Oh, he can't be that bad because he's been in the NHL. Like I, I don't understand this. And I feel for those kids, the bullying tactics, the mind games, like you're talking about 18 to 20, three-year-old kids in, in a university program and the keyword being kids are they mentally strong enough to handle these bullying tactics that are going to happen and, and the mind games I'm I'm very leery on this and I'm I'm worried and it, it I I'm at a loss for words I really am I could not believe yesterday when I saw Mike Babcock had a job again I'm offside well, you and I brought, said it before. You and I went to the University of Lethbridge where he got his first college coaching gig. You know, we were just we were just students. And look at the, you know, we, we both know the pressures of being a university student and uh, everything that goes into it, the full course load, all your tests, your papers, whatever you got going in. Some also work. There's a lot of stress just being a student. Now, if you're a student athlete, you need to maintain a certain GPA, certain course load, everything else to stay on the team. Now you got to worry about what your coach is going to do to you. I mean, you sent me that tweet from Jerry D, the comedian and actor, about five students left the program already. And that was right after I think he, the announcement came out. And I didn't know if he was, I didn't know if you were sending that as a fact or, or a joke. So it's so offside. It's just, whether it was a fact or a joke, it's a reality. It's just, that is the perception of it. And I don't understand why the university of Saskatchewan wants this around them in the, in their school. I just, I don't understand it. So Babcock's a Saskatchewan guy and let's face it. Saskatchewan is sports crazy. And if they got a local guy in a program like that, 
that it, they're probably looking at it as this is a good way to bring money into our program. Yeah, quite possible. Right. Put eyes on it. I don't know. I can't figure it out. That's the only thing I can think of. Well, what do our listeners think? Are you guys in favor of this or are you opposed to it? What was your thoughts on the Lake Tahoe game? We thought it was visually stunning. We'd love to hear from you guys at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2, or shoot us a message on Facebook, the Bleacher Connection. Well, Ken, pitchers and catchers have reported. The rest of the teams are shortly after this week. Spring training is upon us. What a what better time to throw out some predictions and you know what has caught our eye and what we think might happen this year. So I guess with our local team first, the Toronto Blue Jays, what are your realistic expectations of this team? I'm still trying to figure that out because right now, I think as spring training goes through, I want to say that they're probably going to be, if they can keep up a decent season fighting for one of those wildcard spots, maybe, because I don't know that they'll be able to, the Yankees will probably be at the top again. Tampa Bay, I I think they can still definitely be a team at the top. It was just what is the departure of Snell going to mean to them? So they always find a way with such a small, small payroll to be a very competitive team. And whether they're competitive or not, they always seem to beat the crap out of our Blue Jays. So that that's a tough one. I think uh, True. The, yeah, the Orioles and Red Sox are just going to, you know, pick up the bottom of the, the division. But I do think they've got a good team on the field. The pitching will be the question, you know, uh, hopefully Nate Pearson and Anthony Kay and some of these other guys are going to step into a starter role this year and be consistent and get that time. But I think they'll be competitive and fighting for one of those wildcard spots, unless they come up with a maybe Jake Odorizzi signing in the next day or two here. I mean, camp is going, you might, some of those guys might be itching and willing to sign a smaller one-year deal or two-year deal to get in the game. So we saw Taiwan Walker go to the Mets for two years, 20 million, which hurt yeah. uniform uh yeah pitching is going to be potentially the demise of this team when i saw taewon walker go for only yeah only 10 million dollars a season i was kind of like that's a number we couldn't come to with the blue jays i'm surprised they let him walk he, he pitched really well now it was a very small sample size so maybe management was worried to give him any kind of uh, guarantee of more than a year or two years over such a small sample size, but he did provide quality innings. And to think that he probably wasn't going to provide more quality innings was, I don't know, short-sighted in my opinion. Um, the, the Toronto Blue Jays are only going to go as far as Matt and Pearson can take them because those are your potential two, three starters on this team. And if they don't have rebounds and, and Pearson kind of struggles like he did last year again, well, this team's going nowhere. You know, Hunjin Ryu, it looks like the real deal. He pitched great last year, but he also hasn't played a full 162 game season since 2013, I want to say it is. So you're going to probably, history says, go some time without him. So do we, do the Blue Jays have the pitching to make up for it? I don't know that they do. They have the offense. I think we're going to score a ton of runs. I, I definitely hope to see a little bit more contact baseball than long ball baseball this year and some high average hitters and maybe a little more station to station manufacturing runs, but I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. I'm with you. I think they'll be in the conversation for a wild card spot. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to take a step back this year. I just losing Snell is huge, but Boston, I, I can't see Boston being as bad as they were again last year. Like they're going to have a healthy Chris sale. It sounds like, I think they will be a little bit better. I know they've again, taken some major hits in that outfield. So, but Boston's Boston, they're, they're a tough team. So I think we're going to be somewhere in that second, third, kind of range, but I think we're going to be, I think the Yankees are going to have a double digit lead in this division by the end of the year. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, lot lots of questions in that AL East. It, it is a tough one. Yeah, I completely forgot about Matts when I when I brought those guys up. We got a lot of prospect pitching that has to step in and start providing, and that's not always possible, and it doesn't always pan out. We've had a lot of times where we get these high prospect pitchers in, and they they just don't seem to to do anything. We are going to probably have to win as the Blue Jays. Sorry, they uh, a lot of games by a big score within some of that those pitching matchups later in the rotation. And, and I really want to see the pitchers let go in that let them pitch. Don't yes. pull them after five. Don't, don't, don't pull them in, in six innings. If they're doing well, let them pitch. Let's get some complete games in there. Let's get some seven, eight inning games out of our starters and stop overworking our questionable bullpen. Like, Everyone, you know, the bullpen wasn't great. Well, maybe if they didn't have to pitch four innings, five innings every game, they wouldn't be so worn down. We wouldn't go into a game with two relievers available because their arms are dead. Let the starters go. That's what they're built to do. They're, they're built to pitch long innings. Let it happen. Yeah, Charlie Montoyo, in my opinion, is another question mark with this team. And you brought it up. His Some of his on-field decision-making is – Questionable at best. Uh, I guess one of the good things to look forward to as a Blue Jays fan is we don't have to worry about his, you know, I think Derek Fisher is going to hit a home run tonight. <laughs> so I'm going to put him in the lineup and instead yeah. Derek Fisher takes liners off the forehead. Uh, I am personally glad to see him gone. Uh, that was a bit of a bust from the start, but this team again can only go as far as Charlie Montoya lets them. Yeah. Is he going to kind of put away the analytics book some days and let them play. How far, how good can Vlad Guerrero Jr. be this year? He really needs to take a step forward. Now he's trimmed down and looks like he's he's serious, but if you don't get quality production out of Vlad, you're in trouble. If you don't get better contact out of a guy like Kevin Biggio, you're in trouble. There, there's definitely a lot, still a lot of question marks on this team, but there's definitely a lot more optimism heading into this season. So I'm personally excited. Uh, I'm kind of glad baseball's starting because it looks like hockey season might be over for me very soon here with the way the Flames are playing. So I might have another outlet here. So that being said, Ken, let's look around the league. What what are some of the teams you think are going to be stellar this year? Well, I know mean, we've talked about them a lot, but the uh, the Dodgers and Padres, that's going to be uh, two interesting teams to look at. You brought up the Braves and I, you know, I didn't really think about them, but yeah, they've been a team that... Uh, has been very good of, of late the last couple of seasons. So those, I think in the, in the NL are going to be three teams to watch. The Mets are going to be interesting. That's another team that they just, they've added pieces. Well, I won't be interested to see if they can gel and put it together in the win column uh, in the AL. Yeah. I think the Yankees are going to be a team that's going to, going to push. They need to stay healthy. That's been there. That's, Achilles and it's amazing though that team always has massive injuries every year and every year they find some guy to come in and hit 300 and hit 30 home runs it's, it's always next it's incredible yeah, next they, they are their ability to find talent out of nowhere is second to none in this league it's killing me because I can't remember his name third Urshela yep there's Gio a guy Urshela. we we got him back in the Blue Jays with uh the Josh Donaldson trade yeah, it worked out really well for the Yankees. They they weren't part of that deal, but the, the Jays let him go. And he goes to the Yankees, and it just turned into a star. So good for him. Not great for the Blue Jays. But, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see the Angels do something just for the sake of Mike Trout. I mean, that's a guy who's kind of deserved the accolades, and he gets all the accolades, and he deserves it. I'd just like to see him win. At least get one. At least get to the playoffs. Like, yeah, we baseball is better when your best players are in the playoffs. And Mike Trout, I want to see that. I, I do think the AL West is fairly open this year. I don't think any team. I still think Houston might be the best team in that division, but I don't think they're as good as they are have been in seasons past. And could a team like the Angels, the Athletics, really push them again? 
I think that's of the divisions. That one's one of the more wide open ones, in my opinion. Uh, I think the central, I have the Chicago White Sox running away with it. I just think they're talk about a potent offense. That is definitely going to be a, a scary lineup. And I think you got the Yankees. So I think you got three teams in the AL, the Yankees, the White Sox and the Astros who are better than everybody else. And then I think you got teams like Toronto, Tampa, Minnesota, who can contend with them maybe if a lot of things fall right. I was going to ask about Minnesota because they went into the playoffs super hot and then just fizzled just out. Fell apart, it was yeah. like, so just taking the, the torch on fire and chucking it in a lake and it, well, they've, it they've, they've fizzled out in like playoffs every year. I mean, they lost like 18 straight playoff games or something. It, like that. It's like, not pretty. It's just yeah. incredible. So I don't know. I, I think there's a few teams in each division or in each league that are clearly superior to everybody else. And then I think there's a few teams that might give them a run, but in the end, who do you think is going to make it to the world series, Ken? Well, uh, coming out of the NL, I'm, I'm, the Dodgers have the winning pedigree. They've done it. They've been to the dance a few times. I feel they've gotten better. They're going to be pushed a little harder this time to get there. But I still think the Dodgers have come out of the NL. It, it pains me to say it, but probably the Yankees. I think the Yankees got a chance. And for TV-wise, for Major League Baseball, that is the you know dream matchup. You get the Dodgers and the Yankees in the World Series. You're, you're counting money for a couple months on that one. Yeah, when it comes to the American League, I got to go with you. I think the Yankees, that lineup is just too strong. I think their pitching is going to be questionable, but still good enough. Like for some reason, everything the Yankees touch turns to gold. So why you don't think some of the pitchers who might need rebounds aren't going to turn to gold as well is beyond me. So the Yankees, I think, are coming out of the AL. And I said it last week on the show, I got the Atlanta Braves. I think playoffs is all about pitching. And I think the Braves can go up head-to-head with the Dodgers when it comes to pitching. In I think roughly three starters, three, four starters is all you really need come playoff time. And I think the Braves can sustain that. But I think the Mets and Padres could also knock out the Dodgers. I think all of those teams have good enough pitching that in a short series, anything can happen. And we're not even talking about injuries. God knows anything about that. I think, I think any of those teams could come out of the national league and I'm going to stick to my prediction and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves against the New York Yankees and to win it all. I don't want to do this, but the New York Yankees. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no I'll, I'll go Dodgers just so that we don't have to both feel dirty I think the NL is actually a lot of fun to watch and are they going back to pitchers hitting or are they still doing the universal DH this year no, I think the pitchers are hitting they're back to hitting I have a feeling that might change though because it's a bargaining chip right now still and I think when push comes to shove I think the the pitchers not hitting is better for baseball and is better for entertainment value. So Absolutely. I, I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be a universal DH, but as of right now, it's still kind of up in the air. Charlie Montoya takes a pitcher who's pitching well out in the fifth inning, just cause in the NL, they take a pitcher out who's pitching very well because it's a close game and you want to put a guy who can hit in instead of an automatic out with two on and two out. I, I think it is. I agree. It's better for baseball. Put a DH in universally and just let it go. Let yeah. the pitchers pitch. Well, what do our viewers, our listeners think? Who's going to win the World Series? We want to hear from you on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or on our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection. We're going to move into uh, our next segment. Are you kidding me, Trevor? What caught your eye first off here? Well, the, the thing that caught my eye first was something that caught a Calgary Flames player somewhere where they didn't want to uh, catch it. And what am I talking about? 
Well, on Friday night, there was a, a game between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. And poor Noah Hannafin was just casually defending in front of the net without, you know, really seeing where the puck was coming as he was battling the guy out front. And lo and behold, a rocket of a slap shot comes from the point and hits him in a very unmentionable area. And he just collapsed to the ice. Are you kidding me? Ow. Like this is, oh, the dangers of sports. He took one right in the old pills. I, I can't say it any better than that. He was down on the ice and struggled to get to the bench. And, and they took a picture of him on the bench, just head down. And at the time, you didn't know what was wrong. And then they showed the replay. And it was just like, I sent it to you on Twitter. And you were just like, oh, wow. Like, I, oh, I'm sorry, Noah Hannafin. That very humorous, but wow, do I feel your pain. Uh, you and I have different ideas, ideas of humor. Uh, you were possibly going to come up for, are you kidding me for sending that to me? And yeah, I think universally guys feel that pain whenever it happens to someone else. Uh, you don't like seeing it because at some point in your life, something like that has happened probably to most guys and it does not feel good. Yeah. That it was painful. Cause that was, it wasn't even a tipped shot that potentially slowed down a little bit. That, that was uh tape to growing a hundred percent. That was, was a rocket, a rocket yeah, to the midsection. It wasn't a wrister. It was a slap shot. And it, it yeah, that one. And I just flashback to the, to years ago when, it was a Canucks playoff game where Sammy Sallow took the exact same kind of thing. And it was at the end of a period. So they, he's trying to get to the bench and he is just doubled over. The guys are helping him get there. And he's like crawling almost along the bench to get down the tunnel. The pain, like stayed in the game too, didn't he? Yeah. He missed like maybe one shift. It goes to show the hockey players that they'll, They'll take a puck to the groin and just get right back out there. It's it's one of those, and this is being said with no disrespect, but if it is it tough or stupid? I don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, hopefully he's okay and everything, you know. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. His <laughs> that was painful to see. So for for my first, are you kidding me? And it, it kind of goes back to the Lake Tahoe game and that first intermission when the NBC commentators were speaking to Gary Bettman. And at first I didn't uh, recognize Gary Bettman. And uh, cause Gary Bettman looked like he was ready for hockey and chill rather than being the commissioner of a major sports league. And, and it was just like, are you kidding me? Gary Bettman's let his guard down. And he's actually being a little more human. He was out there in jeans and a long sleeve shirt and a Lake Tahoe vest and this nice scruffy looking beard. He looked human. He didn't look like the count from Sesame Street out there coming up with some kind of weird rule or, you know, putting a uh, new franchise in New Mexico or something. He actually looked like a human being. And and it was kind of nice to see Gary Bettman relaxed. And and he looked very much for the part two with that uh, scruffy pandemic beard, the the dress. He had the boots, the jeans. It humanized Gary Bettman for a day and I thought that was pretty good yeah I I saw it too and I I actually thought it was pretty funny what came to my head it was like when you have the Lake Tahoe game at one and you have to do personal plumbing at home at three he was dressed (laughs) for both it was it was nice to see him because we're so used to him looking the part of the lawyer bean counter where money 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 and he literally just looked like an everyday guy so it was, it was good to see. I enjoyed it. It was, yeah. it was quite humorous. It was good. It was a different side of Gary Bettman we haven't really seen ever. Yeah. So in keeping with the, uh, the hockey theme, I got to bring up the Florida Panthers. This team's 11-3-2 in second place in their division, being led by Joel Quenville, who's obviously one of the best coaches in the game. And if anybody told me that they saw this coming before the season, are you kidding me? Everybody had the Florida Panthers near the bottom of this division, especially when you're looking at being in it with Carolina, Tampa Bay. I think it's a great story. You've got 
a couple of the superstars of the league being hidden in Jonathan Huberno and Alexander Barkov because they play in Florida. Patrick Hornquist, who was essentially cast aside by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for those who haven't seen it, there's a great video or a great uh, Twitter picture out there with Hornquist essentially just leaving his gear on his front porch or his front driveway. It's awesome. He, he has 15 points in 16 games, pretty much a point of game guy. You got Chris Dreger that has essentially taken over from Bobrovsky as being the number one goalie, six and one with a 235 goals against like goes to show you what great coaching can do. And that subject's going to come up in our final segment. Well, and he doesn't cost coaching. He doesn't cost $10 million either. Yeah. So the Florida Panthers, good on you. This is awesome. The only ones that didn't see this coming were probably the fan, the fans in Florida, because well, there's not well, too many of them. They definitely didn't see it. No, no, but the five thousand that usually show up probably, you know, maybe thought it could happen, but uh, it's unfortunate. The year that they're doing really, really well, they can't. Well, they are having fans, but it's a fraction of what they would normally get, which is a fraction of what they can hold. This is a franchise who, in the past, has done well and doesn't get the fans, and that they're doing well right now and turning everything around. It's unfortunate that it is during a time where the fans can't be there and they can grow their fan base. Maybe it will. And when we can open things back up and have a full stadium, they get it. So it's good. Yeah. I I hope they keep it up because it really is a great story right now. And can they create a rivalry with the Tampa Bay lightning? And if they can, I think hockey in Florida is better for it. And that's why I hope they keep it up. I really hope, Florida and Tampa Bay end up meeting in the playoffs and have a, a hard fought six or seven game series. Cause that would do wonders for hockey in the Southern U S and especially even if the Carolina hurricanes can have another run. Imagine if you have all three of those teams in the playoffs and they all kind of have some semblance of success that would do wonders for the league. Absolutely. Well, my last, are you kidding me? And this goes to something that we talked about uh, last week and with Houston and what's in the water there yet again, another Houston player this time from the Rockets is going to be on his way out. And that's DeMarcus cousins. He's uh, not playing right now as the Rockets want to get younger and smaller. So they're going to try and work out a deal or release for him so that he's able to explore his options and go somewhere else. This is a guy they just brought in in the off season and he's going to be jettisoned out again. What is going on in, in Houston? Like, are you kidding me? How do you not able to keep players within your franchises, whether it's their choice or yours? The number of star, the, the star power that's come through your city in the past few years that is also leaving, it's incredible. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. It really, really is. I, I'm kind of at a loss as to why every all of a sudden wants out and – this has kind of become a thing across the NBA. Like there's been stories coming out of a few different cities of essentially withholding players from even playing. I uh, was Blake Griffin, uh, Andre Drummond. Like it's kind of become a thing in the NBA where it's like, hey, he's not working. Let's not play him and let's trade him. This is kind of, it's odd to me. It's, you know, I don't know. It's really just, it, it rubs me the wrong way, but I don't know why. And a few players are actually speaking out about how, you know, when Harden wanted out, they played him, they did all that. And now with other players, like DeMarcus Cousins, they're not going to play him. Like Griffin, other guys are being held out. They're calling it out with, uh, you know, un- unfairness of, well, why does this guy get to continue to play and you're sitting other guys out? You know, and it's either another, just an NBA story with that. Guys are playing uh, – I think the game against Brooklyn where they beat the Lakers, some of the Lakers uh, players were kind of talking about how LeBron didn't really care because they were losing and it was all just kind of about his stats. So what's going on in Lake in Lakeland? Is there a problem there? Are we going to start seeing players want out of the, the, the Lakers organization? It's going to be interesting. Oh, I think a championship in LA will cure everything again. Yeah, yeah I just I don't see it. a team. I don't see a team beating them. I don't yeah. know between LeBron and uh, a healthy Anthony Davis. A healthy Anthony Davis. I just don't see it. Uh, maybe Brooklyn, but 
you know, James Harden's never really done it before. So I don't know if he can, and we'll see. I just, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets have so many me first players, in my opinion, between Kyrie and, and uh, James Harden that I just don't know that they can come together as a team to do it. So uh, can Kevin Durant be the glue that does it? We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to my Toronto Raptors though, quickly while we're talking about the NBA, you know, started off two and eight. Now they're back to a game above 500 in a playoff spot. Just knocked off the Milwaukee Bucks twice this week and, and actually hammered them in the second game. It's good to see. I, I, it looked like it was going to be a long season in Raptor land, but I'm glad they've turned it around. And even some of the, the TNT guys are saying they might be the scariest team in the East. I don't know that I'd go that far right now, but you know, shout out to the Toronto Raptors. Good job turning it around. Oh, you never know. Slow start, hot finish. It could happen. All right. Well, let us know what you think on it from Are You Kidding Me? You know, we covered off Noah Hannafin taking a slap shot in a very sensitive area. What did you guys think of Gary Bettman's look? Are the Panthers surprising you as much as they are us? And again, if you can figure out what's going on in Houston, let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. This part of the show is brought to you by our partners at Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? Fubo TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you don't believe us, head over to our Twitter bios, check out our link trees, and you can start your seven-day trial now. That actually might be a good thing to look at come baseball season to watch those Dodgers, Braves, and uh, Padres games. All right. Now, in breaking Bleacher Connection fantasy news, the Calgary Flames have relieved Bradtree Living of his GM duties and have hired the Bleacher Connection, Trevor and Ken, to fix the Flames. Co-GM Trevor, what's your first move? Well, unquestionably, my first move is relieving Jeff Ward of his duties as Flames head coach. I think Jeff Ward's kind of been given a raw deal. He's never really had a proper training camp to be able to put things into play, get a, you know, get a system designed. But there's things he's done as a coach that are inexcusable. Our, our power play is terrible. The Calgary Flames are our breakout of our own zone is absolutely horrific. It's the same old ringing around the boards to a guy who's double teamed. And then that guy tries to make a, a blind pass into the center of the ice. There's zero support. Our brand of hockey that we're playing, we have very minimal back checking. We're playing a dump and chase game where we, you know, the NHL is all about puck possession now and skill. And the Calgary Flames are anti that. We dump the puck in and we try and retrieve it with a fork check that is mostly unsuccessful. And in the rare opportunities where we do play possession hockey, we generate nothing off the rush. The Flames are broken. And to me, the first step in in the in the correction is to relieve Jeff Ward of his duties and bring in Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux is an established regular season coach who gets the most out of his players and has a no-nonsense mentality. And it's clear that the Calgary Flames are lacking in the effort department and in the give a shit department. It's time for this to change and Bruce Boudreaux is the one to change it. All right. Yeah. I mean, a new coach is probably the right first step. Uh, I mean, Gerard Glant is out there too. And I know a lot of the Flames fans on Twitter are pining over him, but I agree. Yeah. The, the constant line changes uh, where you don't get any chemistry, you're putting guys together that just aren't working. Yeah. Bring in a new coach, figure it out. You went out and you hired uh, Bruce Boudreaux. I'm going to make a change. I'm I'm taking one of the core and I'm taking them out. I'm gonna move. I would I would look at making a move whether you got to package Bennett, who just wants out regardless, and Monahan. But I'm gonna bet I'm gonna move Monahan and Bennett and I'm gonna bring in some different pieces, whether it's a, a bigger name or a couple smaller pieces that'll help gel. You gotta make some kind of change to this to this group because the core that's there is not working right now. And it's the same old story from you and I talking where Monahan and Goudreau just aren't going. It's where one's going and the other isn't. Monahan seems to be the one that is consistently not. And 
for me, you and I talked about this in the off season a lot, even before we started doing the podcast about one of those guys got to be moved. And I'm, I'm looking at making a deal to shake up the core. And now I would start with Sean Monaghan. I'm in full agreement. If Sean Monaghan doesn't get traded, I've, I've devised some lines that I think should happen. And this involves breaking up Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau. I know there's a huge appetite within Flames Nation to leave them together because they're best of buds and it's the perceived top line. They're not. Sean Monaghan is not a number one center. Sean Monaghan on this team is our third line center. So to me, you're breaking up Monaghan and Goudreau. You're going to roll out a top line of Johnny Goudreau, Elias Lindholm, and Dylan Dubé. You've got a couple of guys who are willing to get into the corners, retrieve some pucks, play with some speed, maybe score off the rush to play with Goudreau, who is a one of the best puck distributors in the league. You're going to roll with a second line of Michael Backlund, Matthew Kachuk, and Andrew Mangiapane. You can match them up against almost anyone in the league, and they can shut them down. you got a lot of ferocious players on that line, which the Flames are definitely lacking. Put them out there. We saw it a couple nights ago. They held Connor McDavid pointless. Unfortunately, in the second night, they didn't. And McDavid went off for five or six points. Your third line is going to feature, and Sean Monaghan ain't going to like this, Sean Monaghan, Milan Lucic, and if Sam Bennett is still here, Sam Bennett. Uh, Not a lot there. Maybe Monaghan can play a little bit better defensively in his own end. Maybe he can, the demotion sparks him, but he's not a top line center. So by default, I'm sorry, he's third line. And then your fourth line, it's going to be a combination of, of yuck. You're going to have Derek Ryan when he's healthy, Joachim Nordstrom, Josh Levo, or maybe some of the young guys, Glenn God and Matthew Phillips. We're not developing anybody. So to me, the, the issue with this team is our forwards. So something has to give there. And I think a big trade has to happen. I also think another thing that really has to happen is Mark Giordano needs to be moved down the lineup as well. I love Mark Giordano, but I don't believe he should be the captain of this team anymore. I believe that should go to Matthew Kachuk. And I think he should be playing third line minutes alongside Nikita Nesterov or Connor Mackey or Oliver Shillington. And I think you have to start looking to the future and your future top pairing is Yusuf Alamaki and Rasmus Anderson. Why wait? It's not working. Start deploying those guys. Let them get some chemistry. Chemistry being the key word with this entire team. Jeff Ward will not let them get chemistry with the constant shuffling. And I think we're paying the price as a result. And I think you can keep Hannafin and Tanev. They've looked very good together. And Giordano just, you know, Father time's undefeated and we're seeing it with Mark Giordano. So, you know, make life easier on him. He doesn't need to be on top power plays. He doesn't need to be on top penalty kills. Let him groom one of the youngsters. So speaking from experience where the Vancouver Canucks did take the captaincy away from someone to give it to someone else. uh, It doesn't work if that player is still on the team. So if you're going to take the, if you want to look at, moving the captaincy to someone else, then you got to move Geo. And that's the only way it's going to work uh, because it did not help the Canucks room when Keenan essentially stripped Trevor Linden of the captaincy and gave it to Mark Messier. The papers all wrote it up and they all tried to pass it off that it was Linden's idea. I call 100% BS on that. It doesn't work. So he would have to, in my opinion, he'd ha- we'd have to move him out of the team to give the captaincy to someone else. Uh whether that's Kachuk or not, I, I don't know if I see him as captain material. And maybe that's just me as a, more of an outsider of the Calgary Flames, but I, I will propose a deal to you here. It's very widely known that the Nashville Predators have very few untouchables. Roman Yossi, Pecorine, and I think one other, Ryan Johansson maybe. Would you then, let's, let's make a deal. Sam Bennett, Sean Monaghan, and a first for Philip Forsberg? Uh, maybe. I think that's overpaying for that guy. But I definitely, I put some trade targets on 
that I think the Flames should look at, and Philip Forsberg's name is on there. I think you could look at kind of a Monaghan plus for Philip Forsberg. Absolutely. I think you're, you're adding some skill uh, potentially down the middle, which this team apparently is lacking on. It was supposed to be a strength, but it's definitely not. I'm going to throw out a couple other trade targets that I would love to see this team go after. Number one on my list, Jack Eichel. I know you and I talked about it on our two for chirping on the unhinged sports network. You wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. I would, I would absolutely look at a package of Sean Monaghan, maybe a Noah Hannafin and a first, or maybe Noah or Yusuf Alamaki for Jack Eichel. hundred percent. I would do it. Gives you a bonafide number one center. We haven't had one in years. I couldn't even tell you who our last Joe Newendike, 1991 might've been our last bonafide number one center. I don't know that this guy's available, but man, would it cause ripples? Could you look at a package that included Johnny Goudreau for Brady Kachuk and have the Kachuk brothers on your team? I think we're worried about the heart and soul and effort level of this team. Having two Kachuks on this team would, that wouldn't even be a question. Anthony Manta in Detroit, He's a big bodied right winger. We are struggling down the right side. Does that guy need a change of scenery? And Ricard Raquel in Anaheim, another big bodied right winger. The issue with this team is the forward. So do something about it. Go and get a forward. And maybe it has to be, maybe it has to be franchise altering. Maybe you're looking at Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan for Jack Eichel. Maybe that's what you need. And you can roll with Eichel as your one center and Elias Lindholm as your number two. Or maybe you can do a, a package around Monaghan and Michael Backlund for Jack Eichel. But something has to give. You know, you, you mentioned that mine would be overpay for Philip Forsberg. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think with the way things have gone for the Flames and some of the players that you would be looking to potentially move, it is going to be an overpay situation because they're underperforming. Yep. And it's not just right now. It is regular underperforming over the last few seasons. So to make those changes and to get some quality, you're going to have to throw a first and or a second in there in some of these deals to make it happen because it just hasn't worked for them. It isn't working for them. They don't have that value that they may have had four years ago, five years yeah. ago, where it wouldn't have been easier and you could have, maybe turn that first into a third in, in the deal, right? Let's, yeah. let's face it, the way the drafts are going right now, even if you guys ended up, the Flames had a high draft pick, it's not going to pan out right away. We saw it with Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Capo Caco, the list goes on of first round draft picks, first overalls, high picks that haven't turned out right away. So I think it is going to be a waiting game. You might have to forego one of those prospects and hope a third rounder turns out down the road before we do too much with the team though i got a ownership has a huge blame here as well they will not let the calgary flames spend real money on a real head coach and as far back as glenn gulletson jeff ward bill peters there's been better candidates out there and flames ownership will not spend the money to bring in a real coach and i think you look at the florida panthers they, on paper, probably aren't as good as the Calgary Flames. Joel Quenville has meant the world to that team. So if you can sit here and tell me that a real coach doesn't matter, I don't want to hear it because the Florida Panthers are proof. The Vegas Golden Knights coming in as an expansion team with Gerard Gallant are proof. Every team under Elaine Vigneault is proof that a good coach goes miles. And Sam Bennett, I'm done with him. This guy does not care. He does not show effort. Get him out of here. I know there's flames in there's people in Flames Nation who are just smitten by Sam Bennett. No, he doesn't do it. Year six or whatever, he has he, he's not uh he is not an NHLer. He's a fringe third, fourth line NHLer at best. And if he doesn't want to be here and he's not willing to put an effort, get him out of here. I don't care. I'm done with him. All right. You've heard what uh, we would do as co-GMs of the Calgary Flames. Trevor, you brought up last week or before we, our, our two teams, the Canucks and Flames, faced off that 
that four game series is going to be huge for the Canucks because it could mean their season. It actually looks like it went the other way and the flames, uh, the flames went the other way with it instead of forward. So six games against the Canucks and Oilers and the flames showed up for zero of them. Yeah. Zero effort for six games tells you everything you need to know. You're right. The flame season is in jeopardy. Uh, I still think the Canucks season is in jeopardy too, but no, like we, we probably could have, should have taken four games from you. There. Probably we, yep. we gifted you a couple wins, unfortunately. Uh, what do you guys think? How would you fix the flames? What would you do? Do you agree with some of our moves and what we're saying? Let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. Well, that's going to be it for this week. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Make sure you tune in Friday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for two for chirping on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.